Good morning. Hey, I just want to make an announcement. That we've still got people, quite a few people to watch us on Facebook. And, and I've had them ask me on other Fifth Sundays, uh, are the women okay? And, hey, on Fifth Sunday, our men come up here and sing. That was, that was beautiful. So thank you, gentlemen. So, but uh, all the ladies are doing great this morning, right? Men sounded good. Or at least most of them. I'm not counting me. But uh, anyway, it's uh, just a great day to be here. And, and this morning, I, we're, we're going to talk about small beginnings and big results. Small beginnings and big results. Uh, been in Matthew 13. We've been talking about a few parables this week, and, and some of the biggest things that we know have had very humble beginnings. Start out really, really small. Some of the smartest. People in the world, all the smartest people in the world had to learn to read. Well, they had to learn the most simple thing. And, and, and then they could expand and, and, and do some, some mighty things. But everybody starts by learning to speak, learning to read, and so on. Um, I haven't wanted to see a movie in a long time because I don't know if y'all have ever noticed, my attention span is not real long. I, I, I kind of move around and... And I don't sit very well. And there's a movie out that I really want to go see. And it, it's not the Barbie movie. Um, <laughs> I know what you were thinking. But actually, Oppenheimer, I'd like to go see because I love history and I love science. And when you look at the, the science behind that uh, event, it started very small as well. But when I saw it was three hours and 20 minutes, I'm like, my goodness. I can't sit. That's longer than Titanic, I believe. And I cried during that movie because I can't sit that long. <laughs> but again, many, some of our most mighty things have started out really, really small. We've been talking about seeds. This is the third week that I'm going to talk about seeds. And everything that's needed for a seed to be what, it was, what God created it to be is in that seed. Everything is already in the seed that's needed for it to grow. Now, we have to water. We have to do other things to, to make sure it lives long enough to, um, to, to live out and fulfill its purpose. And, and we're the same way. You know, if you look at human beings, we start out really, really small at inception. And then some of us go on to do greater things. Our church is the same way. And this morning, I want to talk about how small... The kingdom of God started, and then how mighty it is now. So humble beginnings, or small beginnings, and big results. And again, the first couple of parables, or the couple of parables I've talked about the last couple of weeks, have also had to do with seed. The first one, a couple of weeks ago, we did the parable of the sower, or the four souls. And we talked about how that to receive seed and actually to flourish, that the soil needs to be in good shape. It needs to be tilled. It needs to be fertile. It needs to, to be ready to receive the key, seed so it can grow. And um, last week we talked about how seeds are planted in a field. And then in that same field with wheat, there's also weeds. 
and they grow together. And our job is to grow and to grow more to be more like Christ. Our job is not to weed our own garden. So this week I'm going to talk about a really small seed. A really small seed, and it's kind of unique that the parable about the small seed is only two verses. So the parable I'm going to talk about today is only two verses. We're still in Matthew 13, and I'm going to read verses 31 and 32. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for being here with us this morning, Lord. Just thank you for, for all your many blessings, Lord. This morning I ask that you open our, our minds, you open our hearts, Lord, and we receive your message in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the mustard seed. Tiny, tiny seed that produces produces a shrub, produces a tree that gives life. It gives food and it gives life. It, it gives, they're really hot flavored seeds, so they have a lot of taste to them. And among, among the seeds that are grown in a garden, they're, they're some of the smallest. But again, when it grows to its full potential, it reaches 10 feet or 15 feet tall. In the fall of the year, its branches have become rigid, and the plant often serves as shelter for birds of many kinds. So from a tiny seed, it's produced into a shrub, then a tree that produces fruit, but it also gives shelter to birds of many kinds. It gives protection. So what does this parable mean? Yeah, it's a tiny seed that produces a big tree, but what does it really, really mean? Well, to, to really understand it, first I want to go back to the Old Testament. I'm going to read from Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. It says, For he grew up before him, like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty, that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one, as one from whom others would hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Then in Daniel 2.44, Daniel writes, And in those days of in, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall this kingdom be left to another people. It shall crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. So the seed that God sent was rejected. But the kingdom that was built is going to last forever. Again, small beginnings, big results. You see, 
so many things that grow to be large have to have humble beginnings. Small things. Small things became a great mountain. The growth of the church in the first century A.D. certainly confirmed the truth of Jesus' parable. If you think about it, there were about 120 disciples going into the day of Pentecost. Later on that day, there's 3,000 in one day. Small beginnings, big results. Acts 4.4 tells us pretty soon it was the, the, there was about 5,000 followers. The number of disciples continued to multiply in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Years later, Acts 21.20 tells us there were myriads of believers just in Jerusalem alone. Even today, we see the growth and influence of the kingdom of heaven in lives of believers all around the world. You see, the growth of the kingdom of heaven, the growth of the kingdom of God is beneficial to the world. In the parable, Jesus spoke how the birds of the air came and nested in its branches. Something that started out very tiny when it grew to its potential provided shelter. Is that amazing? But what does this parable mean? What did Jesus mean? He didn't really say that everything's going to be okay, it's going to be easy, did he? In those two verses, he, he, he doesn't tell us that. But he does say that the kingdom of God is going to be a blessing to all who take refuge. To all who take refuge in his branches. You see, the kingdom of God is not found in food or drink, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, to those seeking rest for their weary souls, the kingdom offers his tender invitation to come to him and enter his kingdom of rest. See, the shrub, the tree that's grown into that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. With a simple, small group of people, Jesus delivered this parable to encourage them. Again, it's to a small group who was falling all over Palestine. You see, they'd be a part of something that would grow and bless the world immensely. But what about today? What does it mean today? You see, the kingdom of heaven continues to grow today. It continues to spread. It continues to spread its branches and offer refuge. Matter of fact, I'm not a math teacher. But I looked up the mathematic possibilities of how quick something can grow and multiply with people who are inspired. At the end of year one, let's say we have 40 people. And those 40 people go and get about 12, 10, 12. And then by the end of year five, we can have 640. By the 
end of year 10, we'll have over 20,000. By the end of year 15, we'll have almost 700,000. By the end of the 20th year, we'll have over 20 million. Okay? Things can start out really small and grow pretty fast. The kingdom of heaven is still important today. Now, worldwide, we don't realize it because we live in the United States. And actually, what do you think the populations of Christians, not the number of Christians, but the percentage of people in the United States who identify as being Christian, do you think it's growing or getting less right now? Think about it. It's getting less. At one time, it was well in the 70s, almost 80%. Now it's down to about two-thirds. It's about 67%. And if we look at the world as a whole, just over a third of the population of the world identifies being Christian. But when you look at numbers, when you look at sheer numbers, the number of Christians is actually increasing in the world. Have you heard that in the news lately? Have you heard that? No, because again, in the United States, it is shrinking. Every denomination is losing members. But worldwide, the message is still being spread. And it's doing some mighty things. As a matter of fact, there's about 2.6 billion Christians in the world, or people who identify as being Christian. And that's up about 44 and a half million over about a year. So where's the growth happening? If it's not happening in the most developed nation in the world, where do you think it's happening? It's happening in some remote areas. Africa, Asia. Other places. Again, we live in a world where we like to say, hey, the kingdom of heaven is shrinking, it's dying. In reality, it's flourishing. And it can still flourish in the United States. I'm not saying it's hopeless here. That trend can actually turn. Now, if you look at sheer numbers of Christians in the United States, that number, I don't want to say it's remaining steady, but it's not going down as fast. But again, the population grows every year. So, when you look at the exact number, we've got to compare it to how many do identify, how many do not identify. But believe me, there's people in the United States that have not heard the message of Jesus Christ. There's people within, I don't want to give an exact range, but we don't have to travel far to see kids that have never heard of Jesus Christ. We're living in the United States of America. And I'm not here to tell you that we're hopeless. I think we've got great potential. I think we've got great potential to spread the word, to plant the seeds in everybody we meet. The numbers I gave you, is it spiritually possible to see those multiplications? It is. Somehow we got to 2.6 billion Christians. We have grown that much. But you see, a seed has to be planted. It has to be watered. It may have to be fertilized. So there's work to do. There's work for us to do. What the kingdom of heaven needs right now are people of vision. 
We need people who think forward in the fact that we don't see things as being hopeless. We need people who can look at a small seed and imagine the big results that it can have. One or two people can't do it. But if we get enough Christians in our communities, because it has to start in your communities, it has to start small. And we have to have people with vision who are willing to work. Christ expressed his vision in parables. He expressed his vision in the way he loved people. The way he loves people. How many people here really have a vision? Can we see the kingdom of God grow? Matthew 6, 33 tells us, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be provided for you. Are we truly seeking the kingdom of God? Again, I think in the United States, I think, you know, of those two-thirds who identify as being Christian, I think a lot of times we have what I like to call casual Christians. They want to identify as something, and they're around other Christians. So I don't know that even that two-thirds, you know, we really have that. To be a true Christian, we have to look for God in everything we do. We have to put God first in all that we do. It doesn't matter what vocation you do. It doesn't matter what you do during the day. God should be the centerpiece of your life. God should be the centerpiece of our lives. God should be the centerpiece of our church life. God should be the centerpiece of our community. I've said before that um, we can... We, we, we say all the time that God's been taken out of schools. Have you heard that? God has been taken out of schools. I can tell you God's still at school. He's still there. Prayer's still happening at schools. Maybe it's not as open as we like it, but as long as there's tests, there's going to be prayer. And as long as teachers are evaluated by tests, there's going to be lots of prayer. Okay? But even teaching in a public school, people can tell when you're a Christian. You still have a platform. Back... Um, a few years ago, I had the same planning period in my class for years. It was like, I'm a man of routine, and I had the same planning period. I did a devotion during my planning period, first, the first of my planning period for, for many years. Then my schedule got upside down. But we need to put God first. To put God first, that means we've got to be feeding ourselves. When I say feeding ourselves, I mean letting the Holy Spirit feed us. Creating opportunities. In the class that we've been teaching the kids in the last few weeks, 
I've been trying to stress how important it is to get on a routine. To get on a routine of reading scripture. To get on a routine of praying. To get on a routine. Because if we don't, we're creatures of routine. If not, something else is going to take that time. And first, we need to feed ourselves. If we're going to grow, if we're going to be a small seed that's going to grow and do some big things, we have to be fed. We have to be fed with Scripture. We have to be fed by growing our relationship with Christ. We have to be fed by being with other believers. We need to be fed. We need to be feeding our kids. Again, if we want to have big results. Now, if we want the same results, we can keep doing the same thing. But if we want big results, we need some vision. We need some vision, some new ideas. We need some strength. And when we look for our strength in Christ... We can do some amazing things. We can have some big results. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've heard that scripture used for so many things. But when we really put Christ in the center of our life and, we, and we, we're relying on his strength, even though we may be a small seed that has not even sprouted yet, he can strengthen us and do some amazing things through us. You see, I, I, I deliver this sermon about the mustard seed, not for discouragement. I gave you some numbers that don't look promising. I actually did it to encourage you. Because I don't know if you know it, but math still exists today. Those same ways to grow is still mathematic laws that exist today. It can still be done. And when I'm talking about growing the kingdom of God, don't get me wrong, I want these pews to be full. But I'm saying take Jesus Christ to people that don't hear it. It may be people that never come inside our church. And I want everybody to come inside. I'm not saying I want everybody to be here that can be here. But the kingdom of God is bigger than our building. The kingdom of God is bigger than our community. You see, if we want to be useful to our Lord, we need to be growing. We need to be abiding. And we need to be bearing fruit. Over the course of the next few months, I'm going to be talking to some people. What kind of vision do we have? You know, how can we spread the word? This church, again, in the four plus years I've been here, I'm so impressed just how we like to serve, how we like to feed. And I love to eat, so I love to be fed. But how we like, you know what? We still have work to do. God's not done with us. Yeah, we have birds coming for shelter. We have a kitty cat coming on the porch even. It's being well fed, I believe. (laughs) But there's people that need to hear the hope. 
the joy that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, my prayer is that if there's anyone here, if there's anyone listening that, that doesn't have that hope, that hasn't received that hope, and when you're looking at the world, you're seeing the glass is less than half empty. I want to show you the hope is still there. Jesus is still saving souls today. The same grace that saved you, the same grace that saved me, the same grace that saved 3,000 at Pentecost, that Holy Spirit is still at work today. There's no expiration date on Jesus' sacrifice for us. There's no expiration date on his grace. Let's go show that love and grace to everybody we meet. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for all that you do in our lives, Lord. Lord, thank you for, for creating us to serve you. Lord, I pray that uh, you do show us a vision, Lord, just how we can make a difference in your kingdom. Lord, how we can take into a hurting world the hope, the love that's only found through a relationship with you, Lord. And introduce them to that grace. Lord, there's still a lot of work to do. I pray that you give us the strength. In Jesus' name, amen.